Busy Birds. Welcome to another episode of Mama Earth Talk. I'm your host, Maris Ganal. Realizing just how much waste we generate on a daily basis, I've set a personal goal not only to reduce, reuse, and recycle, but to also educate the world about sustainability and how each of us can help preserve our beautiful planet. Thanks for listening. Let's dig in. Did you know that 90.5% of the world's plastic waste has never been recycled? Our guest today is the general manager of Sims Municipality Recycling in Brooklyn. He has been working in the waste management industry since the 1980s. Crazy birds, without any further ado, I would like to welcome Tom Outerbridge. Thanks for having me. You're most welcome. So Tom, how did your sustainable journey actually start? I guess my time in the field of recycling started back in uh, the late 1980s when a lot of states in the U.S. were sort of facing a landfill crisis. You may remember the garbage barge that uh, left New York and, and couldn't find a home, and it sort of caused states across the U.S. to start to look at their solid waste situation and realize they needed to, to do something as an alternative to landfilling. And um, I was fairly recently out of college at the time and got a job working for the state of Maine, helping the state develop its first statewide recycling plan. Wow, that sounds fantastic. I think way, uh, you know, back then, like not a lot of people was actually aware about recycling and even still today, a lot of people still struggle with that. And I was actually lucky enough to visit Sims facility when I was in Brooklyn last. And just for some of our listeners that might never have seen a recycling facility or have ever been to a recycling facility, would you mind just telling us a little bit about what it is that you and your team is actually doing? Right. So we are um, our segment of the whole recycling cycle, if you will, after residents put their recyclables at the curb and they're collected, in this case, by the city of New York, those mixed recyclables, which includes, you know, metal cans and glass bottles and plastic containers, those mixed recyclables are taken taken to a processing facility and that where they need sorted out into distinct resin types, different grades of metal and so on. And so they can then be sold into the secondary materials market. So that's what we do. We are in, we operate in that space where we take in mixed household residential recyclables and process them to the degree where they become a suitable feedstock for the next stage in the, in the manufacturing process. And so with this whole recycling, so obviously you guys sort out stuff and then it goes further on, but with this whole recycling and the plastic pollution and everything happening, there's a lot of people that actually do recycle and there's a lot of people that want to recycle, but there is unfortunately so much confusion about what can be recycled and what cannot be recycled. What are some of the top items that you guys find placed in the recycle bin that actually cannot be recycled? Uh, in, in our case, in the city of New York, I would say that the largest single thing 
by weight or by volume of what we get that is that we cannot recycle at our plant our plastic bags. People do get confused, although to be honest, if they read the recycling literature that the city distributes and is on the website, it's not that confusing. <laughs> <laughs> at least when it comes to plastic bags. I mean, I think that there are different types of rigid plastic containers, tubs and lids and containers of different sizes and shapes and people get frustrated in figuring out whether those um belong in the recycling bin or not, but the uh, distinction or the line that the city draws, that which says do not include flexible packaging or plastic bags or film plastic, we spend quite a lot of time with the city trying to draw a uh, line as to what people should put in the recyclables and what they should not, that was as, as simple as possible. So, so that's the number one contaminant in our recycling stream would be film plastic, plastic bags. Yeah, because for me, um, something that was really interesting while I actually visited your facility, because that was one of this, the second facility that I visited, the first one was in the UAE, and it was very interesting to see that there was stuff that you guys accepted that we would not accept here. So obviously, recycling can be such a complicated thing that it will also depend on your facility. And also, it's going to depend from state to state in the US as well. So like, how would people then kind of find out what is the items like you've mentioned that you guys can find out from the municipality? Like, is there just a kind of standard list that our crazy birds can kind of find out from their facilities? Or what would be the best advice that you can give us? Well, no, you're right. The specifics of of what belongs in recycling and how what, some places they combine the paper together and in some places you collect every week and some places you collect every other week. So just definitely the specifics of what you're meant to do uh, will depend on where you live. And so sure, there's also obviously parts of the world where there is no official recycling program. But assuming you live in a part of the world where there is a, a government or public sector sponsored recycling option, then it should be fairly easy to, assuming you have access to a uh, smartphone or a computer, to find the guidelines on your for your local municipality. And there's some of the things which I always get questions about, and that is like coffee cups, chips packets, and straws. Everyone's always asking, can I recycle that? Do I put the coffee cup with the paper? You know, obviously it's got the lid and for me, it's always a headache because like, as far as I am aware, the coffee cup has got the plastic lining inside and that's why you should not recycle it with the paper. And then obviously you get people that would put in half a empty cup or half a full cup, depending on how you look at it, in with the paper. So what is the process for you guys with that? Like, what do we do? Well, that, so yeah, with the coffee cups, you definitely pick one, <laughs> one of the few ones out there where you probably will get a different answer, pretty much everybody you talk to. The potato chip bags, I don't know any recycling program in the world that accepts those. So that should be a pretty uniform no when it comes to what belongs in the recycling bin. But the coffee cups, you're talking about the paper coffee cups that have that very thin film plastic lining to deal with a hot liquid. Mm. Even in New York, you have different opinions about what you're meant to do in the city. I generally tell people to put them in there with their paper, but I think that the official uh, literature may be to keep them out. 
Okay. So I think you, you're right. You basically have found <laughs> uh, there, are, there are definitely specific items that are, it's very hard to get a clear answer because depending on where you are in the recycling system, you're going to have a different perspective on it. But I would say that the vast majority of the contamination that we receive is stuff that doesn't fall into that gray area. Okay. We get a lot of textiles, right? We get a lot of T-shirts and extension cords and garden hoses, things like that, which shouldn't be confusing wow. to people. And I think as more a function of people maybe not bothering to take the time or not caring as opposed to somebody truly struggling to get the right answer. And also like with the straws, because we, we've been told as well with the straws, you know, sometimes the straws are so lightweight that it actually gets stuck in the machine. So that's why a lot of places will actually say, no, please don't put plastic straws. Other places are like, oh, it's okay. We can recycle it. So that's also one of the areas like I would say, well, don't use the straw, but obviously some people still do. So are you guys able to recycle the plastic straws or not really? We will not recycle the straws. They will end up in a residue at the plant. But we, when we work on our public education program or try to provide advice or opinion to the city on its public education program, we definitely focus on things that are that really cause problems for us, right? So, so the, the the straws we don't recycle. We'd rather that we don't get them. But a straw is not going to stop our recycling system. Exactly. Whereas giant sheets of plastic, tarpaulins, extension cords, pieces of rope, things like that. We, we are the things we try to emphasize, given that my assumption is that this sort of limited chance to get a message to the public, sort of prioritize the things that are uh, really most problematic for us. And you guys have an amazing educational center. Like I, when I visited there, I actually learned quite a lot. So that was like really a highlight for me about the trip. Why was it kind of important for you guys to actually start this whole educational program? Well, you know, I mean, since our, we service public sector. The success of our business is obviously dependent to a large extent on the market conditions and, and how good we are at operating. But the starting point for the whole business is how well does the public participate? We Not only do we want them to not put in things that don't belong into the recycling bin, but we want them to participate and put in the things we do want. If, if the public does not participate enthusiastically and properly, then there's not much we can do about it. So for us, public education, public awareness, public participation are kind of fundamental to the business model. And when we look at this whole recycling system at the moment, you know, China was one of the biggest importers of recycled items, and they've currently stopped accepting recycling items above a certain contamination, or in some cases, even at all, they've stopped stopped it completely. So how has something like that affected your facility? Well, you're, you're right. So China was the largest consumer of recycled materials in the, on the planet for many, many years. And then they basically shut that down dramatically curtailed the import of materials, not based on market conditions, but based on a sort of government directive. And so it was a very abrupt change to the marketplace for recyclable materials. For us, the impact on the market is very material specific. So 
where China was playing the biggest role as the world's consumer of recycled materials was in the in the, in the area of, of residential curbside paper, mixed mm-hmm. paper, and in mixed plastics. And the, the mixed plastics were basically recycling plants like ours that were taking in curbside recyclables and basically making a, a, a bale of mixed plastic material, not not basically not fully sorting the plastic into different resin types and colors and so forth. Facilities like ours that were not sorting uh, their mixed plastics were largely doing that because China was a, a home and consuming that mixed product. And in China, they would then further sort the material. We actually, going back and started in 2013, so many years before these new restrictions came up, we had begun fully sorting our plastic stream into resin categories and types and colors to the, the specifications of U.S. and Canadian, basically North American markets. So we were not exporting mixed plastics to China anyway. So basically China's, China's restriction on the import of mixed plastics did not affect us directly. It's had an indirect effect because you now have more material staying in the domestic market, and therefore there's a downward pressure on the, on the price, the value. But we were not exporting our plastics to China. haven't been doing that for many, many years. On paper, on the other hand, our paper was going to China. China was uh, you know, the, the biggest, newest mills consuming residential mixed paper. And China was highly dependent on imported recycled fiber for their paper products. And likewise, East and West Coast of the U.S. as well as Western Europe were highly dependent or had for decades really become accustomed to shipping all their uh, recycled mixed paper to China, us included. So that part of the business has been severely impacted. That's a situation we're still uh, living with today. Yeah, that's that's really shocking that one decision like that from China's side obviously has such a ripple effect all over. I mean, even here we are feeling the effects of it because a lot of the plastic that is recycled here was going to China. So definitely, you know, there's all over the world actually some panic, but it seems like we either have to adapt or, I don't know, stop using some of the stuff. But there's really a lot of focusing on recycling plastics and everyone gets told, you know, when you use your plastic water bottle, make sure you recycle it. But I feel with like, especially these plastic bottles, you know, a lot of them actually get downgraded. So, you know, like a plastic water bottle will never be a plastic water bottle again. It's getting downgraded into another plastic item. But when you get like other materials, like your aluminium cans or aluminium, aluminium, like you guys say it, I can't even say that. What are some of those materials, like you've mentioned earlier, that's like kind of more valuable that can be reused again? I mean, like if you look at the cans, that can actually be can again in like, you know, six to eight weeks, it can be back on the shelves. So what type of materials are like really more valuable that people really need to recycle instead of focusing on a plastic bottle that is good to recycle, but you know, then they'll throw away the can. Like kind of what what materials is there like that? Well, it's funny. I mean, basically I think plastics get a huge amount of focus, you know, and, 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 and rightfully maybe because we do have this issue of plastics pollution in the ocean and microplastics. And, you know, so I think it's, good to focus on plastic 
I do think it's important when it comes to recycling to realize that in today's world, actually, the the market problems are greater for paper than they are for plastics. It doesn't mean that plastics doesn't have a host of other problems associated with it because of ocean litter and sea mammals and so forth. But uh, from a recycling standpoint, paper is a bigger challenge for us. That said, I mean, um, you know, there's, there's huge differences in the types of plastics. There's many different types of plastics. And some of them actually, like our PT, what people know as, you know, number one plastic, but basically the, the plastic that is used to make uh, soda and water bottles, that can go back into bottles. And a lot of it does. I would say the, the majority of the PET plastic that we produce, we sell back to companies that are making new or recycled pellets for new bottle production. Some of it goes back into fiber, textiles and carpeting, but that's basically more driven by the market than the technical feasibility. But it it does eventually degrade, just like paper, right? The fibers get shorter each time you recycle it. Metal and glass are a couple of things that you can recycle indefinitely without losing any kind of physical properties. But plastics can go around quite a few times. It's not a perfect solution. Recycling is not a perfect solution. It's a help. Most plastics can go around several times before they uh, lose those kind of properties that give them their utility. And I mean, there is some materials, which when I was at your facility, I didn't really think about it. Like one of the things we talked about was actually like Hershey's, like the Kisses, which is also a foil. So I found out, well, if you kind of remove the little piece of plastic that like you pull it out, then that actual foil can be recycled again. So I think there's plenty of things like that that people use and they don't even think twice about recycling it. But then the other problem is also, I think a lot of people scared, like, you know, do I recycle it? Is it recyclable? So I think that that takes us back to what we talked about earlier, that people really need to search and find out what can and cannot be recycled. And obviously, when they visit facilities like yourself, you know, to kind of find out a little bit more interesting stuff and just share it with their community because that's in fact will will help you as well as um, you know facilities all over the world. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, we talked about the things that we do not like to see in the recycling bin, but definitely my focus and the city's focus on the public education front is is just as much, if not more so, towards getting people to give us the stuff that we're meant to get. Because the city's recycling rate is somewhere in the order of about a capture rate, meaning the, the amount of stuff that, that, that they want to have put in the recycling bin that actually gets put into the recycling bin is somewhere in the order of about 50%, which means they're, they're sending about 50% good recyclables that we want, that we have the ability to process and market are still going into a garbage bag and going into a landfill or a waste energy plant. It's in the order of, um, you know, 100 plus thousand tons a year of material that is being sent to a landfill at a cost to the city when some of the stuff doesn't have a huge amount of value, but we we definitely still have a market for it. But a lot of it does. Foil is a perfect example. City's recycling rate for foil is very low. I don't quite understand why. To me, quite logical. If aluminum can, aluminum foil, you would think that that would be a pretty easy connection for people to make but you're right basically the aluminum foil recycling rate is worse than the um, aluminum can recycling rate 
So yeah, crazy birds recycle your foil. So, I mean, with that, how can we as individuals do our part to recycle better? Well, I I guess the starting point is to basically understand what recycling options are available to you. So in New York, not only is there a very clear set of materials that belong in the recycling bin, your metal, your glass, your plastic, and your paper, but then the city has a host of other programs available for other materials or what you can do with them there. They have, you know, all sorts of drop-off locations for textiles and charity reuse programs for textiles. There's drop-off locations for organic waste if you're interested in the composting angle of things, trying to get to keep the organics out of the landfill. There are take-back programs and drop-off programs for batteries and Compact fluorescence and electronic waste. Uh, the city has the programs to, to will put even electronic collection bins in apartment buildings. So, you know, I can't speak for obviously for uh, you know every, every municipality, but certainly a starting point is finding out what programs are available to you in your wherever you happen to live. And uh, my guess is most people find they're quite extensive. Some of them may be more convenient where the city where the city or the municipality or private entity comes directly to your household. And some of them may be a little less convenient, but nonetheless rewarding, bringing your organics to a drop-off composting program or textiles to a charity, those kinds of things. Yeah, I think the moment people kind of realize that, you know, waste is not waste, it's actually a resource that is misplaced. And, you know, we kind of need to place that resources in the correct locations and then it will be beneficial for us as well as the environment. So, yeah, that's the one thing that I think we need to kind of remember. Really, the much bigger reward to the environment and to the planet is you are displacing the use of virgin raw materials. So, yes, there's an added benefit that you're not putting a plastic bottle into a landfill or a paper bag into a landfill, but really the big environmental benefit to the planet in terms of energy consumption, water consumption, CO2 emissions, and so forth is displacing virgin raw materials with recycled raw materials to make new products. It's far more efficient to make a new aluminum out of recycled aluminum versus bauxite, or paper out of recycled fiber versus raw virgin pulp, and so on. So um, I know what gets a lot of attention is the waste that is out there and the plastic bags caught in the trees. And it's absolutely all very compelling reasons to do the right thing with it. But everyone can know that in addition, the displacement of the virgin material with the recycled feedstock is really the significant or a more significant uh, environmental benefit. Yeah, definitely. While we're talking about these important decisions, Tom, what has been one of your most important decisions that you have made around Mama Earth? I guess deciding, you know, early on to uh, to work in the environmental sector. That's a decision that goes back a long, long ways. Um, that's obviously a very general one. About 15 years ago, a private company, I had an opportunity to come work with a private company that was looking, competing basically to... Uh, win a long-term contract to service the city of New York. And I had an opportunity to go work with them, to work on that proposal, and to then subsequently build the, well, after winning that competition, to subsequently build the infrastructure to service the city of New York. 
So it's been a long time in the making, but I guess in terms of my contribution, if you will, um, helping to steer and direct that development of you know long-term processing and marketing capacity for the city of New York is probably one of the more significant things. Yes, indeed. And I mean, anyone that has visited New York, I mean, when you walk in the streets in the evening, you see all of these bags and then the next morning it is gone. Like, honestly, I think if the facilities in New York shut down, I honestly don't know how the people would survive. So it's such a crucial, crucial part of the city. That's certainly the way we treat it. It's the way the city treats it. And we hope it's the way the public views it, that it's basic infrastructure like sewage, like electricity, like transportation. And it's just that uh, it does require a little more thought and participation on their part than just flushing the toilet. Well, uh, Tom, we're going to move into our final five questions. The first one is, what is one social media account or publication that you follow? Well, I guess I'll start following yours now. (laughs) Oh, thank you. And any other other uh, ones? Well, there's others. I mean, I have to admit, I'm not the most uh, tech savvy when it comes to social media. But I mean, there are certainly we have a lot of local organizations very active in uh, the environmental community in the in in the places where we operate in New York, New York and New Jersey. So I follow them. And then also the recycling industry is a very active place. There's a New York State Recycling Association. There's the Northeastern States Recycling Coalition. There are national uh, recycling organizations. So follow and sort of participate in a lot of that activity. And what is your hope for Mama Earth going forward? That she uh, can uh, withstand uh, the abuse that obviously is is, is uh, happening now and uh, ride this out until we become a better stewards. Awesome. And what advice can you give our crazy birds this week to help out Mama Earth? Well, I suspect that your followers are already probably pretty good in a, or very good and maybe excellent in a whole host of ways. So maybe it's a function of trying to broaden the flock there, basically uh, get more people to, um, it doesn't have to be recycling, get them to ride a bicycle or turn off their lights or Drive less. So I think trying to, you know, continue to influence a bigger and bigger swath of the population to do the right thing. And what is one sustainability fact that you like to use in a room with people not yet on a sustainable journey? I mean, if we were um, looking it up or I was sort of trying to document some stuff for our public education center, our presentations, I think that the types of sustainability, or I guess the flip side of sustainability, scary facts is sort of try to look at the percentage of the earth and earth's production that is currently utilized and occupied by humans. And, um, or the percentage, I think somebody told me something in the order of like, if, 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 if the whole world consumed resources at the same pace and rate as the average American, we would be I think need four or five additional planets. So yeah, it's just trying to get people, I guess, bring it onto the radar screen that that a lot of our practice today is not sustainable. Wow, that's indeed true. And Tom, where can people actually find you? Probably at our recycling facility <laughs> in Brooklyn. <laughs> yes, yeah, so we have our uh, simsmunicipal.com is our is our website. And on that website, I, I'm not the one who maintains the 
Well, there's a Twitter and Instagram account and so forth, but they are accessible through our through the simsmunicipal.com website. Cool. And we'll we'll link them all up in the show notes as well. So thank you so much, Tom, for sharing your knowledge with us. And I'm sure if there's any of our crazy birds out there that want to learn more about recycling, they can check it out on your website and hopefully get in contact with you guys as well. So thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you. And that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening. You can find the show notes for this episode at mamaearthtalk.com. Follow at Design by Mariska on Instagram or email hello at mamaearthtalk.com. And let me know if there's a topic you'd like me to talk about. I love hearing from all you crazy birds. New episodes are uploaded every Monday. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss anything. Mama Earth has a voice and it's us crazy birds.